Welcome back. You're listening to Nathy Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And there is a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. And with that, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hello, Nate. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on, as always. It's always a pleasure having you here. And today we have a hot topic, probably a topic that's going to anger some individuals. But I feel as though this is a topic that needs to be addressed. And I believe the timing is perfect for this topic because... Activision has just released Call of Duty. Platinum has just come out with Bayonetta 3. And Pokemon is just around the corner. And all three of these games have something in common. And that is that each of these products, at one time or another, had a social media boycott petition form. And Mm -hmm. in all three cases, these boycotts really went nowhere. The Pokemon boycott was a unique situation where it were a group of Pokemon fans that were very angry with Pokemon Sword and Shield because it did not have a full Pokedex and they wanted to boycott the game and really send a message to the Pokemon company and Game Freak. Then we had Activision, which everyone knows the situation regarding Activision, that you had Bobby Kotick, the allegations of sexual assault, sexual harassment, suicide within the company, a death threat to a secretary, and numerous other allegations that have come out that are currently being investigated heavily by the judicial system. And then just recently, we had the Helena Taylor boycott, where she requested that individuals and fans of the Bayonetta franchise would boycott the game due to her removal as voicing the main character. Then the truth came out where she was exposed that she fabricated the story about how much she was going to be compensated for the project, and that boycott very quickly dwindled, though it did gain some traction in its initial hours. Now, these boycotts have become a mainstay in the industry in recent years. Aside from the three companies I just mentioned, there have also been cries of boycott for or directed to companies like Insomniac, after internal allegations came out about sexism. And we also had the Ubisoft situation where there was also sexual assault, sexual harassment, amongst other allegations. We saw boycotts for Naughty Dog also circulate on social media around the time that The Last of Us Part Two came out. There were some minor calls of boycott towards Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft when allegations again of sexual assault, crunch, Mm -hmm. and other factors were revealed. But in all of these cases, the boycotts failed to gain traction. And 10 times out of 10, the boycotts in this industry will fail. But what I really want to address today is how social media and internet personalities as a whole, this is not directed at any specific individual. I want to stress that, that this is an industry problem, is that when these stories come out, that you'll have personalities, be it on Twitter, YouTube, or even written media outlets, they take the opportunity to say, we have to boycott these companies, we have to send a message. 
Yeah. Yet no messages ever sent. Let's talk about this because this is definitely uh, an, an interesting topic, and I definitely want to I want to dive in there with you. But before we get deep, remind me about the Pokemon boycott because it was not only just the Pokédex. I believe people were unhappy about the way the game looked as well, if you recall. Yes, it was. It was a culmination of the Pokédex or the National Pokédex. And then individuals were unhappy with the visuals because mm. when they looked at some of the animations or the wireframes, they yeah. were finding that they were very similar to the 3DS models. Yeah. And they were saying, well, look, Pikachu only has X amount of polygons added or the animations are recycled despite Game Freak and the Pokemon company having come out and saying that they had redone animations. And it was exposing a lot of individuals' illiteracy of game development. Yeah. But that didn't matter. The call for boycott had already riled up the troops who were already anti-Pokemon to begin with. And that led to a very large vocal social media campaign that led to targeted harassment of Game Freak and Pokemon Company employees. Yeah. And it was overall a very toxic situation. So my first ever boycott that I ever remember was when Wind Waker was first shown. Do you remember? Uh, that was yeah. that was actually really bad. There were so many people, at least in the sphere of you know that I was looking at, and I was I was an internet guy even way back then on my dial-up modem, or whatever. But I was reading forum posts and news group articles and stuff about how the Wind Waker was an absolute disgrace of a game. How could they possibly go to the cell shaded look, and they were just destroying the legacy of Zelda games before it. And that that one was was the kind of the eye-opener for me where I realized that boycotts never work. Like you said, 10 out of 10 times, they don't work. And that literally, um, you know, hundreds, and I'm, I'm being very, very generous here. Let's say 100,000 people were mad about Wind Waker. There were literally millions of other people that didn't even know about it or they didn't care about the issue, you know, and bought the game anyway. So it's just, it's just the majority of people aren't even aware of what's going on and completely drown out the, the kind of vocal minority here. And I think that's been the common thing with boycotts, um, all, especially all the ones you've talked about, even the ones that have really just horrible, horrible, uh, allegations and 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 things that have happened to you know to prompt those boycotts um you know people um just most people unfortunately just don't care enough about the issue and and just kind of pick up the game anyway and and I think that's kind of the common thing but to your point about the kind of the backlash and and, and um social media influences and, and things like that I think that's also very interesting, and I, I want to talk about that with you uh, as well. And that is, you know, we saw this happen with the Helena Taylor thing. We did, we we saw um, influencers going in and saying, you know, I'm not buying this game, I'm not supporting this game, and and um, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. And you know, you have to, I guess, a lot of people just took what was said on face value because you know, why would why would the voice actor of this game who's been involved with the game you know for you know eight plus years 
and the previous two games come out and say something that's just dishonest, right? Like we we, didn't, we never really thought that that would be true, but you know, most people that um, had any kind of sense here basically just waited to see the full story. And, 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 and once that happened, I think the real unfortunate part, Nate, was that a lot of, a lot of people didn't turn around and apologize and say, look, I, I really, I messed this up, you know, and, and I apologize and I'll do, I'll do better next time around. Um, a lot of them didn't say anything. And that's, that's really not a good thing. Like, I think if you, if you were someone that was actively saying that you're going to boycott a game, you know, you really need um, to come out and say something. I, I, I strongly believe that. I think anyone that that was participating in a boycott that has some kind of platform and didn't say anything after the fact or didn't didn't say, look, I, I, I messed this up, really, really should come out and say something. Right. A lot of people simply gave their reactive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then once the truth had come out, they went silent because, as is the case the majority of the time, the fabricated story will go around the planet, you know, eight times a second and the truth won't leave your living room. Right. And what happens in those cases is that when you were vocal and you were standing against the corporation or you're standing against a specific individual, you're going to get the clout. You're going to get the attention on social media. But when the truth comes out and it's time to say, Hey, I was wrong. I apologize for previous actions. That's not going to get anywhere near the same attention. So unfortunately, if you're a YouTube personality who rushed to do a reactionary opinion piece on the Helena Taylor situation, coming out and saying, Hey, I was wrong. I was too quick to pass judgment. It's not going to net you the views that the original video did. So you don't have a vested interest in coming out and apologizing. Or, you know, it's it's good for the audience that really views you to be able to see your transparency. But you also have to stick to that. Yeah. You can't come out and make an apology video and say, you know, I'm going to I'm going to respond better in the future if situations like this happen again. If you're going to do it, you have to stick with it. And with Call of Duty now out, a year ago, there were a lot of individuals across all spectrums of the Internet calling for a boycott of Activision until Bobby Kotick steps down. Mm -hmm. Since that boycott originated in the summer of 2021, Now, a lot has happened with Activision. Microsoft has put in their bid to buy the company and acquire them. Right. And a lot of the conversation around that has been, once the company is acquired, will Microsoft forcefully push Kotick out of power? And, you know, we'll find that out once the situation is resolved and Microsoft gains control of the company. But at the time, a lot of individuals who were calling for the boycott were doing so because Activision didn't have compelling software coming out in the calendar year of 2021. Yeah. And it's easy to boycott a company which you don't find appealing or that you don't support. As, you know, individuals had asked myself dating back to last year, will I boycott Activision? And I said very clearly, I don't buy Activision games to start with. So for me to say I'm boycotting Activision is a moot point. Right. I don't support them. It's like a double, so you can, it's like a double yeah. negative. 
Yeah, you can call what I'm doing a boycott. Right. But then I've been boycotting them for years now before anything was even publicly stated. So it would be unfair of me to make a video to say I'm boycotting Activision when I don't support the company. And what you saw is a lot of people would say I'm boycotting Ubisoft, Activision, uh, Naughty Dog, Insomniac, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, whichever company that in the moment was being called upon to be boycotted against, but they didn't have any vested interest or stake in the company to begin with. Mm -hmm. They weren't fans of the games. They weren't buying their games, but they saw the moment as a moment of opportunity, a moment to strike, to go to Twitter, appear to be the good guy, right? virtue signal, do the posturing act of saying, I'm going to stand up against this company. I'm not going to support them. But you never supported them to begin with. Right. I mean, the thing about a boycott is it's like it's a protest, right? It's like a public protest. And yes. the, 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 the goal of a boycott, right, is to get some type of response from mm-hmm. the business or the, the company that you're boycotting against. Like we want some type of action, right? Like if we boycott something, we're protesting, we, we want some type of action. But but again, you know, it, it's just it's just one of those things where um, it's a pointless practice, you know. And I'm not saying, and I want to be very clear, Nate, like like what you said with Activision games. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't boycott anything, right? Um, but what I am saying is, this is a this should be a very personal choice for anyone out there. And honestly, um, you know, if, if you don't if you're not happy with uh, Bayonetta 3 when Helena Taylor came out and made those ridiculous accusations you shouldn't have to publicly announce that you're boycotting the game you know this is something that if you don't want to buy that game because you you feel wronged then it's a personal choice you should just you should just not do it like like what you're saying with what you do with Activision and I respect mm-hmm. that Nate like I respect the fact that you you know you haven't said anything publicly about it because you don't buy their games anyway. And I think that's, that's a public, that's, that's a, sorry, that's a personal choice and a personal decision. And I think anyone that feels like they're being wronged by a company, I mean, if you're unhappy, uh, I, I'm unhappy about um, allegations at Activision Blizzard and you're pissed off with, you know, with Bobby Kotick and you want something to change, a protest, a boycott isn't going to make, make a, a hell of a, a difference at all especially when you've got games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that just came out. But in your mind, you can control your, you know, your sphere of, of existence and influence and just don't buy the game. I don't feel like I need to virtue signal or make a video or discuss why I'm boycotting this game or why I'm not buying the game. You see, it's a very difficult situation, I think, for many to grasp and approach because if I have a big audience and I have a powerful platform and i can send a message of protest against any company for their wrongdoings the thing is though nate like unless you're mr beast that has a hundred million youtube followers right your your words will reach yeah well yeah unfortunately they fall flat right your words will will, let's say let's say you're a a big big youtuber and you have a couple Mm -hmm. of million followers and you you make you know, you, you make a million views on a video, right? Like if you call for a boycott, and let's even say that that boycott hits trending and, and you get like 5 million clicks on a video and you get overwhelmingly 
positive support for a boycott. How many people are you affecting? Unless it's unless it's an indie game that you're targeting that will almost certainly tank tank that game. Usually, you know, if we're boycotting something, it's something big, right? So um, mm. unless you're Mr. Beast and you have like 100 million subscribers, you, you know, you may do a little pinprick of damage um, to the overall bottom line, but you're not really going to affect anything because most people are just going to buy that game and they don't even know, they're not even aware of what's going on. You see, that's one of the things where if, I'll just use this channel as an example, that if I came out with a video and saying I'm boycotting XYZ, that ultimately the audience I'm reaching is minimal. Mm -hmm. And even if I am a bigger YouTuber, the amount of people who are listening or watching the videos in the gaming sphere, so I'm talking forums, Reddit, Twitter. It is a very small percentage of the actual gaming populace. Right. A meaningful boycott in this industry has to go mainstream. This is something that has to go similar to what you saw with Activision, where you sort of affect their stock price. Yes. yes and it, it was reported on CNN of all of the allegations. But ultimately, that still wasn't enough to really form a grassroots movement to rally people to make a meaningful boycott against the company or its products because you had workers walk out of work to stage a protest outside of the headquarters and their development studios. They were making their voices heard. Now, as the consumer, yes, you can choose not to buy the game. And as you were mentioning, it is a personal decision. As I have said in previous episodes, just as recently as last week, you not buying the game may not change the world, but it does change your world. Yes. And if you don't want to support the game and you want to change your world, by all means, make that choice. My thing is, is that when we see the creators make their videos, make their tweets, make their articles calling for the boycott. And it's only done because it helps their pockets. They know that's the way the tide of conversation is going and they want to be part of it. So they want to capitalize on it is that you're not even willing to have the conversation in good faith. You're a bad faith actor looking at a situation and looking to capitalize on it and trying to create an image of yourself that is, oh, look, they're going to stand up for something. But then all of a sudden, the company that they were boycotting, it's out of the headlines because months have passed. And now a brand new big game from that company is coming out. We'll use Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 as the example as because it's a very recent release. All of a sudden, individuals who are boycotting Activision are buying this game. They're covering it. They're streaming it. And then if you ask, well, I thought you were boycotting the company. Right. The question is ignored. So when the, when the conversation was had a year ago, was it ever a genuine conversation? Did you actually believe in saying I'm boycotting this company or is it strictly done because in the moment that is the stance that everyone else was taking. So people took that stance to capitalize on it. And that is my problem yeah. with the social media campaigns is that there's no vested interest in the individuals who are saying, let's do this boycott. Let's do this. There is no vested interest. The only interest is I want views. I want video likes. I want clout. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say what I have to, to make my audience happy because this is an opportunity to strike. I think it's that, but I also think 
that we can't discount that, you know, we get so much information so fast. Like on any mm-hmm. given day, you may be really upset. Like you, you may have read the Call of Duty allegations or the Ubisoft allegations and been, and just been sick to your stomach like like all of us were when we read that stuff because it's horrifying, horrible, horrible mm. things have happened at those companies, right? And you must, and you would have felt disgusted and you would have been like, you know what, I, I, I'm not playing their games anymore because I can't support this company. The problem is two days later, not even two days later, 24 hours later, something else happens. Uh, some some news, news story breaks and we've already forgotten about it. And the thing is, you still may have it in your mind about that company, but, you know, three, four, five, six months later, Activision drops the Overwatch 2 trailer and then they drop the game and everyone's like, oh, I love Overwatch 1. I'm playing Overwatch 2 because Overwatch 1 was awesome. And then mm-hmm. Call of Duty comes out and then Diablo 4 gets a trailer and that's coming out next year. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the way that you felt on that particular day most people don't even think about that anymore. They've moved on. They're, they're, they're moving on to wanting to play these games. And, and it's, they make convenient excuses in their minds about why mm-hmm. I can play this game, why I can, I can install and play Diablo 4 or install Overwatch 2 or Call of Duty because it's- I'm supporting the developers. I'm not, I'm not supporting the big bad corporation or something. Right. You know? And you see, that's where I take issue with a lot of it. Is that, as you said, oh, now it's out of mind. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to stream the game. I'm going to cover the game. Yes. And it's because it's out of the headlines. You're essentially, as the creator, you're banking on the audience having also forgotten. Yep. And all the words you said months prior are now just yeah, invalid just words. because you're banking on short memory. Right. And because if you truly meant what you were saying for the boycott, when it comes to when the big release comes around, be it Call of Duty, Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, instead of covering the game, you would have recovered the allegations and everything that had happened so you could remind people of what was going on and that you shouldn't support these games. And I understand that when you are communicating to the gaming community, that it, it is a very small percentage, that even if everyone who's listening to this or, you know, even didn't buy a game. Ultimately, that isn't even a raindrop in the ocean mm-hmm. to these companies. It's not a raindrop in the ocean to the overall sales that the game is going to get. Call of Duty just came out and it's already breaking sales records. And that shows you that even if that Twitter sphere who last year was calling for the boycott, who mm-hmm. has yeah. now since forgotten, there are millions of people out there who never heard of these allegations who weren't aware of anything happening at Activision who are going to buy call of duty or whatever game, regardless of what is happening because they'll view it as, well, I'm entitled to entertainment, right? This is fun. This is what I want to play. This is what I want to consume. And that's where for this gaming industry, a boycott is going to fail almost every time. And, you know, I do believe that if you do have a big enough platform and there are injustices going on, you should voice, you should voice them. Yeah. Like the case, as I mentioned with Activision, I don't buy the games to begin with. It's not my place to say I'm going to boycott the company right. because it would be invalid. Now a company I do thoroughly enjoy, I love their games is Insomniac. Mm-hmm. And Insomniac 
has issues. Unfortunately, a lot of these issues did not come to light until after Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart, was released on PS5. They had circulated a bit on Twitter, but they didn't didn't really reach mass attention until after the game came out. Had I known about those stories pre-launch, I would not have supported the game at launch. Mm -hmm. I would have wanted to see change within the company. And since the allegations have come out, there's been some stories that internally they are trying to make changes. It's been a slow process. But it's going to be something I'm going to keep in mind personally as we lead up to the release of Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. If stories are coming out that the work environment has not changed, those will be two products that I personally will not be supporting when they launch on the PS5. Right. And again, like, you know, to your point, that's my personal decision. Now, when that time comes, if things aren't going around, should I make a video? Should I make a tweet explaining why I'm boycotting the company? No. See, that's like, you can say no. Some in the comment section may be saying yes. I wouldn't. You do have a voice. You do have a platform. Absolutely. I mean, I personally wouldn't do it, Um, but you're Mm -hmm. right. I mean, if you have a voice on a platform, you absolutely have the right to, to do that if you want to. Right. And I mean, that's where, like for me, I struggle on that front only because my voice is minimal. Right. It's it's one voice in a stadium of others screaming. You're not going to hear my message amongst the crowd. And I guess that's where I can look at is if I put my message out there and it others decide to go in you know a similar direction as myself. Have I in turn changed their world for the better because maybe they weren't aware of a situation involving, you know, Insomniac or any other company that we have mentioned up to this point? And that, that that's the juggle of what is my role or what what's any of our roles when it comes time to have this conversation? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes, it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now yeah i mean that, that's a that's the million dollar question right like for me um look i i'm always going to try to do the right thing the thing is though i don't always have to tell people about that. You know, um, another great example for me is Hogwarts legacy WB. That's a, that's mm-hmm. one game that I will not be buying. I, I am not buying it, but I've never publicly said, Hey, I'm boycotting this game, but obviously there are a lot, you know, there is a lot of call for boycotting Hogwarts, Hogwarts legacy. But, you know, for me, um, like I said, it just goes back to that personal decision that look, like you said, um, if you don't feel comfortable, uh, then you should you should give it a miss. But do you need to announce that to your audience? Well, I mean that's a personal choice. You know, if you're an influencer and you have you have some uh, platform, then 
you should do the right thing and 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 either you know um, do it or, or or not. It's really up to you. It's a personal thing at the end of the day. See, I think that's one of the situations where if you as a content creator or personality, if you go out to say I am boycotting this product, then you have to stick to it. Yes, you cannot walk it back months later because the game has not come out and you see it as an opportunity of, well, I, I need to cover it for my audience. No, you don't have to cover it. That's the point of the boycott right. is that you're not supporting it. And if your default is, well, I'm going to, I'm buying the game so I can give you all coverage and I can give you a review. Then you were never serious about the boycott because you're just looking to make money. And the boycott was a means to make money. And now the review is another means to make money. You're profiting yeah on the situation. So it's always been a disingenuous take. The boycott would be saying, that's actually the true boycott right there of saying, I could review Call of Duty. It would get me views. It would make me money. Mm -hmm. But because I refuse to support Activision, I'm not reviewing the game. I am willing to hurt my financials for the stance that I believe in. That is a sign of a boycott, and we have not seen content creators who call for the boycott actually boycott the product and put themselves at a financial disadvantage by not reviewing the game. A lot of people think that Microsoft has already stepped in and has made changes, or or mm-hmm. they will, right? Like, And that's a very dangerous game to play because, yeah, Microsoft will will acquire Activision. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, even though there is some resistance right now from certain, um, you know, government mm-hmm. groups around the world, whatever. But I, I think the deal is done. It's just a matter of when. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conjecture and speculation and, and I guess thought that when Microsoft steps in, they're going to clean house. They could very well clean house. Is that going to address the issue immediately? I don't think so. You know, I think this is something that uh, is going to continue to be ongoing. Right. I mean, this is, this is an industry problem. This is a societal problem. It's not just limited to the video game industry. This, this pollutes virtually every industry in, you know, any career path in all society. Right. And, You know, the other thing that I see from boycotts a lot is that they're only called upon for companies that have a already negative reputation by the gaming community. Yes. Activision, Ubisoft. Those were the companies that were easy for people to say, we have to boycott them because they're companies you don't like. They're already companies you hate. How come when the stories came out, with Nintendo when Casper came out and told her stories of what she experienced at Nintendo of America, there were no individuals calling for a boycott. It was silence. Yeah. It's because people like Nintendo, right? What happened, you know, with insomniac again to bring them up, where were the boycott rallies for insomniac when naughty dog and crunch were brought up, there were no calls for a boycott. There only are calls for boycotts for the companies you don't like. If you really want to see that change and you really want to make a meaningful statement and a protest, the boycott should be for the companies you don't like, because that shows that you have a vested interest in it, that you're willing to deny yourselves a product that you enjoy 
and say, I'm not doing this because I want to show these companies I do not support what they are doing, that these stories that have come out, these allegations are heinous and I need to see change before I come back to support you. Mm -hmm. But when they're companies that you love and the companies that you have always supported, you look the other way and you come up with the justifications of, well, me not buying the game is not going to do anything. It's not going to change things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just one report. I'm sure things have changed since then. You could come up with any laundry list you want of justifications, but I could also do that for the companies you hate. It's just not done because, again, it comes back to it's easier to boycott the company you hate, get social media clout because everyone hates that company too, and look like you're standing up to Goliath when in reality you're not standing up to anything because you're not doing anything different. Yeah. And I mean, that's my issue that we see with these boycotts. I would love to see a genuine grassroots movement happen where we, where individuals can rally around a company like, you know, Activision and make a strong stand Mm -hmm. where they actually can hurt the company's bottom line, where you don't support releases like call of duty that just came out or overwatch two or Diablo four. Right. But at the same, like, I would almost want to see this as an organized movement. We're able to get workers and the developers for this company and say, you know, we're standing with you. And I understand that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if a boycott is to ever be successful, then people have to hold on to their beliefs mm-hmm. and they have to kind of generate sympathy, you know, for the cause, right? Like, and they, they have to stick to their guns. And and I think that's the crux of the issue that we've been talking about. Yeah. And that is there's just people lack of conviction. Yeah, there's lack of conviction. There's a lot of virtue signaling. And look, Call of Duty, love it or hate it, um, it gets a lot of views. You know, like when people make Call of Duty videos when the new game comes out, it gets a lot of views if you're a social media person. And mm-hmm. that's really, that's really that, you know, um, for, for, for boycotts to work. I mean, everyone has to just dig in and dig in for a long, long time. Uh, yeah. Not, it not, can't just not be 24 hours or whatever. Um, yeah. It can't just be six, six to 12 months. Yes. Like if you are a powerful voice in the call of duty community, Yep. And a year ago, you were calling for a boycott of Activision and then Call of Duty came out last year and you were streaming the game. Yeah. The real opportunity that you had was then to say, I am not supporting this game. Now Call of Duty comes out this year. It's again, you have to sit there and say, I am not supporting this game. Mm-hmm. You have to stake your cause into the ground and you have to stand up by it. Yeah. Once change is then demonstrated within the company, you can come out with a statement and say, you know, based on everything that we have now heard, change has been made. Yeah. We feel comfortable now to support the studio again. But until that happens, all the boycotts that we see on social media right. simply have no merit behind them. They are hollow words. Yes. And that's very disappointing because we see this come up every few months mm-hmm. or every couple of years where a new boycott is forming and people will voice their opinions on it. And ultimately, it hasn't led to a single thing. Yeah, It's just outlets who say they're not covering Ubisoft games for the foreseeable future. Well, it's easy if 
that company isn't releasing games on the platform that you cover for the foreseeable future. You're not making a stand by making that statement. It's a empty statement right because once they do bring a game to your platform to the platform that you're covering you're covering the game the other thing about boycotting is you never see like a, a big gaming press site come out or um a, a, you know a game developer or you know what i mean like mm. th- there's no there's no powerful allies in this scenario like there's not anyone that comes Boys. in that's, that's like holy shit this this is actually serious now you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You've never seen just, you know, let's say we'll use Activision just as the example here. Right. You didn't see Sony Santa Monica, nope. Nintendo of America. You, you saw uh, Microsoft. You didn't see all these other developers right. in the West. Say, You're wrong. You know what you did see? And I'm going to use this. And I, I don't care if it angers people because it pissed me off. And this is, this is Nate the hate coming out with hate. <laughs> I hated how last year Jeff Keighley got on stage at the game awards yeah. and said, Activision, what's happening there is terrible. We need change in this industry. Yep. It was applauded. Yep. What happened six months later at summer game fest, right? He demonstrated call of duty because Activision wrote him a check. Yes. That was good. Where was the boycott? Where was the stance there, Jeff? Right. How come you said, I'm not taking your money. You guys have not changed. That's a statement. Yep. Had he refused to demonstrate call of duty at summer game fest, that is a statement. That would have been a powerful moment. Instead, he bowed down to the almighty dollar because that is what his brand and his shows are about. That's true. It's advertising, that's true. and that's all he was worried about. Yeah. Uh, that was an opportunity, and it was a failed chance. Absolutely. He, he had he had the platform to do it, and, and he didn't do it. Um, but, you know, uh, to be fair on Jeff, he wasn't the only one. You know, you remember Jim Ryan? Right. He mm-hmm. didn't didn't say anything publicly. He There was some internal memo. Microsoft was the same. There was some type of internal memo that went around, some kind of mm-hmm. nothing email. Like, n- no one came out. You know, we were, we were kind of expecting um, something. You know, like, we were expecting microsoft to um and very naively now now that i look back at this but at the time Mm -hmm. it felt very serious like xbox was going to pull activision games from their store and and but none of that happened think of what think of what the memo said where spencer said we're reevaluating our relationship yeah what happened two months later we're gonna buy them (laughs) exactly i mean it was it was I, i think out of everything helena taylor's obviously the most recent one um right but it's also probably the less serious yes. of these boycott situations. And like, even as you mentioned with Jim Ryan and Sony, where they, they came out kind of similar to like a Microsoft thing of like, Oh, we're going to, you know, look at our situation, you know, our relationship with Activision, blah, blah, blah. They're currently in court fighting about how important call of duty is to their brand. Right. Yeah. That they're still, they still have the exclusive deals for multiplayer and such for the release on their platform. If you want to make, a statement as one of these companies, like if you were Microsoft, you said, we're not hosting you on the store anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously for that type of thing to happen, Microsoft and Sony would have almost had to stand arm in arm where they said, we don't, we're no longer going to yeah. home your software. Right. But that's, that is how the industry could have made a statement in that moment. Yeah. yeah that, it, it didn't happen. I think that was that was the most eye-opening thing for me. I mean, not that I really expected anything. Um, it, again, looking back, it was probably naive if 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 that would have happened. But I did expect at least 
some pushback from the big hardware makers to say, look, you you guys uh, are in trouble here and, and you've really messed things up and we, we're going to distance ourselves from you until you figure it out. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, what happened? <laughs> Microsoft um, went into uh, acquiring Activision. Activision. <laughs> it's like, what the? You know, it was, that was, yeah. I think for me, that was probably the, the weirdest thing where it's like, well, allegations and, you know, Bobby Kotick, all that stuff doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. It's all about and always has been about money mm-hmm. and, and, and acquisitions right. and getting as much of a stranglehold on IP as you can. And that was, um, you know, that was re- really uh, eye-opening for me, that whole Call of Duty thing and um, the Activision Blizzard thing last year. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we've gone into a lot of the negatives. Mm-hmm about the boycotts and how individuals who use them to their benefit. I want to go into some of, you know, the resolutions that these boycotts can bring, some of the positives that they can bring. And, you know, one positive I think they can bring is this type of conversation. Yes, absolutely. Is is that they, they can bring about conversations of how we as the community, the gaming community can approach these situations as they come to light in the future, because the Activision, Ubisoft, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, you know, crunch, sexual assault, sexual harassment, they're not, this isn't going to stop. It's not just going to become a utopia for the industry in, you know, in a fortnight. Ubisoft has, there's been some claims that they are making efforts. It's simply, you know, it's not an overnight change. This is going to take months, if not years some from Ubisoft have come forward with some stories that said individuals who are toxic have simply been moved to other departments and they are still toxic individuals or they've been promoted. They have not reached any, you know, yeah. resolution. And, you know, that's something that then as the community and even as the media outlets and journalists, you have to keep your foot on the gas, continue to inquire about that. Continue to put the pressure on these companies to make the change. Keep asking questions. And when you make it a forefront thought for them, eventually it's going to be, all right, we're sick of dealing with this. We have to make the change to get rid of them. Or, you know, just those types of practices. There can be good from boycotts. There can be good as long as there is a consensus in the movement where individuals stand arm in arm and they're willing to stake their claim and that they have a vested interest in it for the long term. If you're just vested in the minute and you're not vested for tomorrow, don't yeah. don't call or don't call for the boycott. Don't claim you support the boycott because you don't. You simply want someone to pat you on the back and give you a you know a hand. Nice little applaud and say, mm-hmm. oh, you said the right thing at the right time. Look at, I'll use um, CD Projekt Red just as a recent example. Everyone, when Cyberpunk came out saying, I'm not going to, you know, this company pulled some shady stuff on us. So a lot of the conversation was when they announced their next game, don't pre-order it. Which are for? Well, look at the Witcher 1 remake. <laughs> right. Lots of people have excitement. Did you not just learn? 
wait, don't, don't get excited about a product you don't see yet. Hold them to the fire. Let them prove that they've done something right. And that's what we should be taking away from these calls for the boycott. When you look at like the Pokemon boycott, all that toxicity, you can learn from the toxicity of how not to be. Mm, yeah. Every yeah. movement, there's something you can learn from. And like my genuine hope is that it, what people can learn from the Helena Taylor situation is don't be quick and have a knee-jerk reaction. Look at what actually, you know, the information that she shared. And you could have looked at it and said, something isn't adding up here, especially when you looked at the $450 million claim of the Bayonetta worth. Immediately that stood out as this is an inaccurate assessment. And take the opportunity to wait in certain situations for more truth to come out. And then as additional information comes out, then you can decide if you're going to pass judgment, which, you know, again, you don't need to pass judgment. If you want to report the news because you're an outlet, report the news. You don't have to have an opinion on it yet. Just report the news. Omitted of opinion. Let people, you know, gather their own thoughts. I'm sure people will listen to this and disagree with everything we've said. Yeah. Um, very well said. And I think, you know, there, there are some good things that can come out of boycotts. No doubt about it. And uh, even even if the boycott itself doesn't go anywhere, um, you know, having having developers start to form unions and, and mm-hmm. start unionizing and um, getting getting them paid better wages, even even mm-hmm. if again, even if the boycott doesn't doesn't go anywhere, if there is still some you know publicity around developer wages and unionization. And things that can help the industry grow uh, and weed out all the bad and terrible things that that are in the industry, and you know, get people paid what they're worth. Those types of things that have some type of effect, um, then you can say yes, even even if the boycott was didn't go anywhere and it was kind of a bit of a bit of a joke at the end of the day. Um, if there is enough people talking about it and talking about you know, and we talked about this l- last week, where unfortunately the real message of the Helena Taylor thing was, you know, uh, voice actor wages, right? That's that's really what 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 should have come out of it. I I still think there will be discussions around that, and things like that will be brought up. And um, you know, even if the boycott was not successful, there are still those underlying issues that have been brought to light, and hopefully those things can can become a um, front and center of the conversation and be, get addressed and in turn lead to uh, a, you know, better working conditions for, for developers at these companies. You see, as you were saying there of, you know, maybe the boycott fails, if it does bring about change, like as you were mentioning, unionization, mm-hmm. higher wages for, you know, voice actors and voice actresses, the removal of toxic individuals from the companies, did the boycott truly fail then? Right. Like maybe it failed in the sense of people still bought the game, but maybe the boycott was vocal enough that it did put the pressure on the company internally, even if externally we didn't see that pressure because it did bring about change. Would you then the boycott was a success? Yeah. 
even if it wasn't a known success right to us who just personally decided i'm not buying this game so i can change my world and i can better my world yeah and it's almost an indirect w without realizing yes, one i agree and i will say as someone who does work at a video game company every studio out there every publisher looks at the internet and sees what's going on. They read these stories. They read these articles. They see these things. This is not something that they're oblivious to. The only difference between Activision is that the leaders there are just so disconnected from what's going on in the real world where they don't even have any idea about what's happening. And, you know, for the smaller companies, they absolutely see this stuff. And and I would say Platinum is one of those companies where – they're not a, a, a huge game developer by any stretch. They probably have 500 employees that work there. Um, they probably saw what was going on on Twitter. And I think, you know, my my hope there is that the message of, of um, unpaid or not, sorry, not un, unpaid, underpaid voice actors and actresses should not be forgotten and should not be um, left behind because that's the real, real kind of thing that that needs to be addressed here. Yeah, I think in the situation of Platinum, unfortunately, they faced a lot of harassment and racism on Twitter in response to Helena Taylor's lie. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, as you were kind of mentioning earlier, hopefully individuals who were just disgusting people on social media were able to apologize, though I would say the apology at this point is, you know, meaningless. Yes, I agree. And, you know, unfortunately, they were individuals at platinum who were victims of targeted harassment over a fabricated story. And, you know, that is one of the negatives of a boycott where people, because there is no centralized movement that it's individuals who just can go to Twitter and say, F you company. And it hurts your movement by these right. bad faith actors. And, you know, it's definitely it's a it's a complex conversation that really requires new nuance to have, and you know yeah. I think I think we address this in a very serious, composed manner. Yeah, I do too. Where, you know, and it's it, you're right. It, it's a uh, it's a very complex subject to to talk about. Um, but look, one thing that's for sure, Nate. I hate to say it, but this won't be the last time, you know, there'll be something else that comes up Mm -hmm. and we'll be in the situation again. And unfortunately the cycle will just continue, you know, Uh, and that's, that's the real unfortunate part, but Hey, look, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate, you know, talking about this stuff with you. Yeah. I think this was really a conversation that needed to be had. And it's has, it's been something that has been on my mind over the last couple of weeks and, really came to the forefront of my mind with the Bayonetta 3 situation where I was just watching so many individuals call for boycotts, quickly rescind the call for the boycott, not apologize for the knee-jerk reactions or just how we also had, you know, the Activision situation, as I mentioned last year, where individuals were calling for a boycott in that situation and very quickly just parading around now as though that conversation never took place. And it feels as though, you know, has to be addressed. We have to have a conversation about this of 
if we really want to see change and we want to have a serious conversation and we want to invoke boycotts in the future, there just has to be a concentrated effort by all involved to say, I'm not covering this game, even if it hurts my financials, because that is how a boycott works. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to force this conversation to be had and let's make change happen. Let's, as the gaming community, when it rallies behind a single idea can make changes and let's, you know, get the big voices and everything. And I understand that a lot won't do that because having an opinion on certain topics runs the risk of upsetting your fan base. But is that not what a boycott and a protest is about? Right. You have to do what you believe is right and you stand up for what is right in the face of critics. Mm -hmm. And if your fan base doesn't support what you're doing when you're trying to do what is right, that is what makes it meaningful. Like this episode runs the risk of upsetting people. I mean, I'm sure we'll upset someone, but that's okay. But that's okay. Yeah. I'm saying what I believe. Yeah. And, you know, this is what I believe is right. And I mean, that's, that's it. And with that, we can go to some Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first question comes from Enix93, who donated a dollar and writes, Hey guys, is it possible that Nintendo will announce the Zelda Wind Waker Twilight Princess collection and or Metroid for 2022, similar to the Mario 3D collection in 2020 after the Bayonetta 3 release, since there is only Pokemon in November, Nintendo's FIFA? Best wishes. I would say that's probably a slim to nil chance. I agree. I think this year is buttoned up. I think this year is done. There may be, and based on previous years, I'm I'm, I'm almost talking myself out of this, but there may be some <laughs> type of announcement at the Game Awards for something, but I'd be very surprised if that's true. I mean, it's definitely interesting that Nintendo has left December vacant. Yes, be the first time in quite a while. Last year it was vacant because Advance Wars was originally scheduled for December. It was then delayed till April and currently remains as a to be determined. Um, I mean, maybe something like that gets a very limited marketing release in December still this year. It would be kind of funny if the game did drop in December and just happened to get a full year delay inadvertently. Um but something like Metroid, I think they would want to give it a nice little marketing cycle. And mm-hmm. even with Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, I think they would also want to give a marketing cycle. So while I wouldn't give it a 0% chance, I don't think odds are in the favor of anything happening for I, this year. I, I give mean, it a 15% the- chance. 15? Yes. A, sl- a slim number. chance. <laughs> I mean, maybe we can will it into existence. Be nice. I mean, you're right. There, there is a gap there, and maybe they could announce something uh, that will, would come out next year. But I don't know. Like, I always treat um, this time of year as once all the games have come out, it's time for a break. You know, like it's time for a break until the new year starts. 
And that's why I've always not put that much stock into the game awards for some big announcements. Sure, there's always that, you know, one one or two kind of hype announcement at the game awards, but for the most part, there's just nothing there, right? And I, I always put it down to these studios, they're they're you know, they're they're they put their feet up, they're taking it easy, they've had long, busy years, and this mm-hmm. is their time to just kind of relax. So I, I, yeah, I feel I mean, like that's going to happen again this year. I mean, right now, I think my hope for release in December is simply GoldenEye on NSO and Xbox. Yeah, and that would be good. That would be good enough, I think. Which could still happen. Yep. It better happen. <laughs> if it's not, that's going to be a missed opportunity. And that's something we'll discuss in December. Mm. <laughs> I already penned it in. Dude, I love, I love talking about GoldenEye. <laughs> Then had a follow-up question from Enix93, who donated a dollar and four cents. Writes, maybe Nintendo wants Zelda, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess, and Metroid as GameCube NSO titles to gain more subs instead. Question two. No. (laughs) Are there any hints that the Switch Pro is rather a successor than a Pro version? Will it have loading times like the PS5 if it's a successor is a launch in 2023 likely? Uh, for the first question, what I know of Metroid Prime is that it is a it was dubbed a remaster internally, and it is a native Switch release. So as far as an NSO GCN ROM, it is very unlikely that they go that path. Um, with Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, they already have the HD versions from the Wii U that they can easily port over. So it would be a little odd to default to their GameCube originals if you want to bring GCN titles to NSO. There's plenty of other games that they could take from that library. As for the Switch Pro being a successor, as we've said in the past, that's really for Nintendo ultimately to decide how they want to position it. Um, I have nothing new to share on that front, so I'm not going to really speculate any further on that topic. As far as loading times, I mean, loading times would be improved. I I mean, you would whether hope, or not right? they'd be instantaneous like the PS5. Yeah. I mean, I, it would really depend on what solution Nintendo would be implementing at that point. You can look at Bayonetta 3, which has very impressive load times. Yeah, it actually, um, it actually does. It's very, very impressive. Yeah, it was actually surprising. Uh, as for whether or... A successor would launch in 2023 is likely. Again, that comes really down to Nintendo, whether or not they were able to get supply and everything. It's ultimately in the vision of what they're looking to do with their product. I think a lot of people could look at the Switch and while it is selling and they do have a ample amount of software still dated to the end of 2023, getting DLC support like Mario Kart, Splatoon, uh, Sparks of Hope. As well as, you know, big releases next year with Tears of the Kingdom, Fire Emblem Engage, that you can certainly make the argument that Nintendo is not looking to bring a successor to market in 2023. But, I mean, that's all speculation just based on the current software lineup. Then had a dollar donation from Man Hands. I think that's a Seinfeld reference. (laughs) 
Right. I am a Switch owner, but I am curious if there is a retro system that is worth buying in 2022. Can you discuss or recommend any systems that you think still hold up today? The one I have in my eye is the GameCube. May only hang my only hang up is a wired controller. Well, they do have the WaveBird, which is wireless. Yeah. Um retro system in 2022. Yeah, isn't Ooh. a 360 considered retro now? Yeah, a 360 would be <laughs> would be a retro system, I would say. Oh god. Um if you um, haven't and I don't know if you have, but if you haven't explored the PlayStation 2 and its vast library of games, um, I would I would start there. I would jump on that. Yeah, the PS2, I mean GameCube is definitely a great recommendation. If you don't have a Wii. I would almost recommend the Wii because you're going to get GameCube compatibility there. True, it's got it's got very good back compat support. So I would almost consider that because you can get all the GameCube games you want. You can also start to die, you know, dive into the Wii library, which has a lot of gems that aren't priced too highly right now because mm-hmm. there's not that much nostalgia for the Wii in the moment. But that could change in the next year or two. So if you can get titles like Trauma Center, Zack and Wiki. Excite Truck. There's a lot of great games on the Wii, as well as the GameCube. Um, I guess it depends on what we really want to classify as retro. Like yeah. I said, with the 360, if we're going, which I guess would also fall into the Wii. But yeah, PS2, GameCube, Wii. Yep. All great recommendations yep, for definitely. systems you could be looking at. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G. Right. Do Moon Studios give us a look at their new game within the next year? Yes. I say yes. I say yes. Then had a dollar donation from Kev R.A. Writes, Mario Party 1 and 2 came out on the expansion pack yesterday. Too bad online play is being limited to one person per console, so my friend who doesn't own a Switch can't come over to play online Mario Party with our friend from afar. Sad tone. Ray, that is a bummer. Crying I haven't, emoji. I haven't looked at Mario Party yet on NSO. I will take a look at it, but yeah, I've heard about that, and that's that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I still have to give Mario Party one and two a look on NSO. Maybe MVG and I will play online. Yeah, might be fun. Kick your ass. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Drake the Love. Right. Good evening, gentlemen. Is there any update on when we can expect GameCube games on NSO <laughs> since the September podcast? Could this be the reason why Zelda Wind Waker hasn't launched yet? No. Why was the main argument against GCN on NSO always space when games do require it always? Well, MVG wasn't here for that September Direct podcast predictions episode where, yes, I had been hearing but was never able to verify yeah, which I stressed in that episode that this was just something I was hearing, but I wasn't overly confident in the information. If I was confident in it, I would have made it a standalone video that there was the possibility that Nintendo is looking into bringing a very select number of GCN games to NSO. Um, I think that kind of plays into the last question you have there about space is that from what I was hearing, Nintendo was, I mean, we're talking just about a handful of games to really introduce the service to. So yeah. that is, we're only talking, you know, few gigabytes in space there that Nintendo could be very selective with what they want to bring over. So you wouldn't see games like 
Metroid Prime because that would be something that they would favor with the remaster version because it's more profitable. So this, again, since September, it's not something I've been able to verify with 100% certainty. So I really just treat it as industry gossip more so than concrete fact. Um, Yeah, space was one of the big reasons. Also, controller compatibility. Mm -hmm. You'd have to remap similar to what they did with Sunshine for the Switch controller. Um, I don't think this is why when, when, uh, when Waker hasn't come out yet. I don't believe that was one of the games that was at the time discussed for the service. Um, like I said, this isn't even something that is a guarantee to happen. It could just be industry gossip. Would I welcome it? 100%. Oh, yeah. But just treat it as more so a possibility than yeah. a guarantee. Yep, I agree. Then had a $5 donation from Sign Smelled. Right, only heavy, only heavy hitters here. No skirting the answer. Number one, where's Lego Batman for Switch? Was that announced? I, I have no idea. Are there, are there Lego Batman games? That's that's not something that I normally <laughs> get into, so I don't know. I can't answer that question because I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, question two: Nibble apparently reported Nintendo was buying Platinum. Yay or nay? That was a imposter account. It yes, wasn't nibble. That was a bot account, and he has quite a few of them. And I've been caught out as well in the past. I think Nibble was one of the guys that called. Well, one of the imposter accounts called Bloodborne coming out, and I actually believed it. I think you retweeted that. I one. did. I did. And then someone <laughs> was like, um, "Who wants to tell him?" And I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> Question three: November direct. No, not to my knowledge. Would love to be surprised. I mean, maybe we get like a Pokemon one or something before it comes out. I mean, an indie, if we can count that, maybe. But maybe that's maybe. probably about it. I would think. Yeah, indie, maybe a Pokemon one, but maybe. I don't yeah. believe. Uh, I don't believe any general directors do this month. And question four: Why have all the leakers been so quiet? Have a nice day. Um, I mean. The thing with information is that while it is fairly consistent, it doesn't mean what you have in terms of information is something that you can necessarily share at the time. And sometimes there are dry spells in information where your contacts just have nothing to share with you because when you find out things months in advance, the situation is not going to change six months later. It's, yeah, we're still working on that same product nothing new to you know come out with and typically around this year is when things slow down a bit things will ramp up in the next couple of weeks as individuals will learn what will be shown at the game awards um so you know there'll still be some rumors coming out in the next you know a few weeks things will dry up a bit and then they'll spark back up again early next year as some industry events take place and journalists and developers and such get together and talk over drinks. Then had a $3 donation from Arkansas 64. Right. With Phil Spencer's recent comments on switch and rares tweet regarding perfect dark N 64, you anticipate us seeing any additional Microsoft properties coming to switch in near future. Maybe after golden I 7 
we will get more rare N64 properties on NSO. I missed the tweet that Rare did for Perfect Dark 64. So I'm not sure the context for that one, but I mean, we have Banjo on NSO. We're going to have Goldeneye very soon. So, I mean, I wouldn't be too shocked if we ended up seeing something like a Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, or a Jet Service. Force Gemini or something. Hmm. So there's definitely that possibility. And I would definitely welcome as many of Rare's N64 games on NSO as we could get. I still hope that maybe one day we can get Killer Instinct on the Super NES tier and then Killer Instinct Gold nice. on the N64 gear. Just to play those classics on a Nintendo platform again. And our final question from this week comes from Ryber525, who donated $3 and writes, No question. Nate just often answers questions that I ask him on Twitter for free. So I figured I would toss a few bucks his way for the trouble. Love the show. You guys are both great hot wieners. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) Yes, thank you. That is the final Streamlabs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. And with that, I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. And if you like this episode, give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on the boycott topic in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.